The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Today is Tuesday, December 29, 2020. On this day in 1170, Thomas Beckett, the Archbishop of Canterbury, was slain in Canterbury Cathedral. Beckett was killed by knights loyal to King Henry II of England after publicly feuding with the monarchy for years. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Today we're covering the death of Archbishop Thomas Beckett. Now let's go back to 1170 as the sun set on the gleaming Canterbury Cathedral in southeast England. Archbishop Beckett was working at his residence on the precinct of the cathedral when someone burst through the door. The regal 52-year-old looked up to see four men in plain clothes approach him gruffly. They were the loyal knights of King Henry II, Reginald Fitzurse, Hugh de Morville, William de Tracy, and Richard Le Breton. All four of them crowded around the archbishop and announced that he was under arrest. They demanded that he follow them to the nearby city of Winchester to answer for his crimes against the crown. Becket could feel the anger and indignation rise within him. He wasn't surprised that the king had ordered his arrest. Tensions had been high for quite some time. He had only recently returned to England after being forced into exile in France for six long years. But he was outraged that four knights would speak to him so coarsely. He reminded them that he did not live to serve Henry. He bowed to a greater authority, God. The knights dismissed his piety as sanctimony and again tried to take Becket into custody. When he refused, they left the palace in a huff. The archbishop watched them leave, then prepared himself for the evening prayer service. As he descended the steps to the cathedral, he tried to put the stress out of his mind. He was determined to praise his creator, no matter the consequences. But the knights weren't gone for long. They retreated to the outskirts of the church, where they retrieved the armor and weapons they'd stashed under a tree just minutes before. Once they had their gear, they marched back inside, along with a clerk who had traveled with them. They would not fail their king. The archbishop would fall. As they approached, the monks in the cathedral attempted to bar the entrance, but Becket stopped them. He claimed it was improper to make a church of God into a fortress. At his orders, they reopened the doors, and the four knights rushed inside. Flush with pride and duty, the men called out for Becket to show himself. 
the archbishop descended the steps freely, but had no intention of going along with the knights. They seized Becket and tried to drag him outside, but the archbishop refused to move. He grasped a large pillar and refused to let go, saying that he wasn't a traitor and that he wasn't afraid to die. The knights were happy to oblige him. One of them hit Becket with the flat of their sword, knocking him to the ground. There he stayed, head bowed, praying to God and making his final peace. According to Edward Grimm, who served as Becket's biographer and who was present during the encounter, one of the knights struck the archbishop again after he fell to the ground. Grimm wrote, With this blow, the sword was dashed on the pavement, and the crown, which was large, was separated from the head, so that the blood white from the brain, and the brain equally red from the blood, brightened the floor with the colors of the lily and the rose. With the archbishop lying motionless on the floor, the clerk who had accompanied the knights finally stepped forward. He arrogantly pressed his foot to the back of Becket's neck and rubbed the archbishop's skull across the floor, covering the cathedral with blood. It was a sickening scene and a murder that would live in infamy. With their rash actions, the knights of King Henry II irrevocably tarnished his majesty's reputation. They made a martyr out of Thomas Becket and put an end to King Henry's efforts to limit the power of the church. Coming up, the aftermath of Thomas Becket's death and the shame of King Henry II. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now, back to the story. On December 29, 1170, 52-year-old Thomas Becket, the Archbishop of Canterbury, was murdered by four knights of King Henry II. The men believed they were carrying out the king's orders, but in fact, they only made things much worse for their monarch. The tragic misunderstanding occurred after a long and turbulent relationship between Becket and King Henry. Though Becket didn't come from a rich or influential family, he studied theology and slowly climbed through the church's ranks on his own merit. After getting a job as a clerk for the Archbishop of Canterbury as a young man, he was distinguished by his thoughtful and charming personality. In 1155, at the age of 37, Becket was promoted to Chancellor of England. It was in that position that he came to know King Henry. The two of them became fast friends, spending their days traveling and hunting together. At the time, Becket was not a strictly pious clergyman. He apparently enjoyed the luxuries of life in the court and was fond of throwing extravagant parties. In 1162, the king made Becket the new Archbishop of Canterbury. He hoped that by appointing his close friend, he could consolidate his power and fight back against the church's strong influence over the royal government. 
But after he ascended to the position of archbishop, Becket let it be known that his loyalties lay with the church rather than the king. He stepped down as chancellor despite Henry's objections, and the two started to publicly feud. Things came to a head in 1164 when the 46-year-old Becket was ordered by the king to forfeit his property. Instead, Becket fled to France and lived there in exile for six years. He finally returned in 1170 after making a deal with the king. But he wasn't done being a thorn in Henry's side. In November of that year, Becket excommunicated three church officials who were loyal to the king, which angered Henry. In a moment of frustration, he said something that his men interpreted as an order to put an end to the archbishop's meddling. It's not known exactly what King Henry said. The most common version of the quote is, "'Will no one rid me of this turbulent priest?' Apparently, that was all his knights needed to hear. They made their way to Canterbury as quickly as they could to collect Becket. Their original intention was to arrest him rather than to kill him. But when the archbishop refused to yield, things got out of hand. Becket's death was an unmitigated disaster for King Henry II. The archbishop was immediately hailed as a holy martyr and was canonized as a saint just two years later. The knights who killed him fled to a castle in northern England, and the king completely refused to deal with them. He left them to languish in the fortress for a year without arresting them, confiscating their lands, or holding an audience when they asked for his advice. With few options and fearing they would be exiled or killed, the men made their way to Rome to ask for forgiveness from the pope. As penance, he ordered them to serve as knights in the Holy Land, a contemporary term for the region between the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea. They were sentenced to remain there for 14 years. They weren't the only ones sentenced by the Pope. In 1174, four years after Becket's death, King Henry II was ordered to do penance at the archbishop's tomb. His attempts to limit the power of the clergy stopped, and he was forced to accept the church's influence in England. Almost a thousand years later, the world remembers Thomas Becket's death as a cautionary tale. It's the story of a stray remark from a powerful man that led to the death of an innocent man. In their attempt to gain favor with the king, the four knights became a symbol of rash and careless violence while Thomas Becket became a saint. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. 
This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Terrell Wells, with writing assistance by Alex Benedon and fact-checking by Bennett Logan. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 